You're listening to Compassion Church Dixon Podcast. Good morning, Compassion. How are y'all doing today? I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel residue. And, and I know that some of you might not know who I am. I'm, I'm Dave Reagan, my wife Jennifer. We're from Jacksonville, Florida. But I, I don't believe that God is done with his direction in regard to the occupancy of breakthrough. Let me say that again. How many of you understand that when Jesus healed individuals all throughout Scripture, that he would reach down and give them an opportunity to combine their faith with his? rise up and not Jesus picked him up, carried him on his back and walked around the city, say, you feeling good now? And then set him down and walk through. No, rise up and walk. Take up your bed and walk. You want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? All these types of questions, they, they, they require an action step on our part, okay? And so I don't want to put anybody on blast but I, I also want to make sure that everyone is fully occupying breakthrough. So, ma'am, with the crutches, when you were being prayed for earlier, I was just involved in what was happening in your life. I believe it's your left knee. Is that accurate? Uh, right knee? Right, I'm sorry, right, left, whatever. It's one of your knees. Um, but, but this is what I felt in my spirit. You, you experienced a level of transformation. You told the prayer lady, I feel better. I, I was reading your lips. This is what I want you to do. I want you to start walking around this building. And I, what, I'm, what I'm believing God for is that the crutches will go under the hand and you're just walking around with the crutches, would, would you start challenging that transformation? And I know I said I wasn't going to put anybody on blast, and I've just done that. But I don't know about you, but your occupancy of everything that God has for you is more important than feeling foolish. For me, maybe for you. So we're not, we're not going to watch you. We're not just going to go around with a camera. But I want to just encourage you, and maybe a prayer partner. I might not ever get invited back, but I want this lady to occupy her healing in the name of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I believe, I, I'm, I'm a big student of the word, and I also love Watchman Nee. Uh, there's a book by Watchman Nee. He wrote it in the 20s. Uh, it's entitled Spiritual Authority. I absolutely love it. It's more like a textbook than it is a reading book. But in that book, he says the problem, and now understand, he wrote this in the 20s. He said the problem with the church today is this is abnormal. Can I, can I just push this out to you? This is normal. Everything less than this is abnormal. I expect for the church to be filled every time we have the doors open. I expect for every time somebody comes down for healing, they get healing. Every time someone needs deliverance, they get deliverance. I expect it. Why? Because that's normal. I expect my shadow to heal the sick. I expect breakthrough to happen everywhere I go. Why? Because I am a son of God. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And every time he shows up with me. Are you hearing me? Say, well, I'm hearing you shout and scream a whole lot. Well, I'm sorry. I'm a passionate person. 
and I'm passionate about fully occupying the reason for my existence, the reason for your existence. How many of you can honestly say that much of the time you are frustrated? Just be real with me. Much of the time you're frustrated. Good, a good portion of hands that went up. Can I challenge you with why? Because you are not fulfilling your complete purpose that you were birthed in the earth to accomplish. Ecclesiastes tells us that on your DNA, on your DNA strand is written your purpose. Yeah, you didn't pick that up. God, when he made you, wrote on your DNA your purpose. And it is only when you are connected and reconnected to him and living life. I love Kinsey talking about living in God's presence. Most of us say, I can't wait to get back to church and get to God's presence. Why don't we live in his presence? Pastor Jamie and I are great friends and we've been talking about what is happening at Dixon and the pursuit for revival and the pursuit of a move of God. You must understand something. You cannot plan a move of God, but you can prepare for one. I am from Florida. I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher. I just scared some of you. It's, it's okay. I was at Brownsville in the 90s. A move of God that radically altered an entire city. The crime rate in Pensacola, Florida dropped by over 35%. Police officers would arrest people and take them to the revival. They would bring people in handcuffs down to the front of the church. They would uncuff them. They would receive prayer and deliverance. There was a Playboy photo shoot out on Pensacola Beach. The bunnies decided that they wanted to go make fun of the Christians. So they showed up that night dressed like bunnies. And they came down to the front to try to distract. All of them got saved and walked off the set. This is not some social club that we call church, that we can drink coffee together and talk about Jesus. This is true life change. This is true transformation. I need for you to realize that you are the answer to some people's prayer. Some people have been praying and asking God and what they're praying for is for you to fulfill your purpose. Understand something, the word frustration, accurately translated, accurately defined, is to be beneath potential. To live impotent and void of power. That's not what God has called us to. I'm taking liberty in this third service. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. Listen, I am who he says I am. He's crowned you with confidence. That unseats frustration in your life. I'm seated in the heavenly place, undefeated. 
with the one who has conquered it all. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. And you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. Jesus! Jesus has given me and when I lift my voice and shout every wall comes crashing down I have the authority Jesus has given me for those of you that raised your hands for frustration would you stand with me all over the building just stand Say, I wrestle with frustration. It perpetuates me. Can I be real with you? After we left pandemic and all the things in quarantine, it has disrupted my entire city. It has disrupted my church. I've been living in disappointment and frustration because I've not been seeing what I want to see. And I just perpetually hear the Spirit of the Lord say, I need you to occupy sonship. I need you to occupy obedience. I need you to leave all of these success mechanisms to me. I just want you to be obedient. Obedient is the form or the manifestation of success. When God tells you to do something and you do it, you're successful, baby. It doesn't matter what your banking account says. It doesn't matter what subdivision you live in. It doesn't matter what you drive. What matters is that when God says, yeah, this, you say yes. When God says that, you say yes. And then you don't just say yes, but you do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person who has been battling frustration that leads them to disappointment. God, and I declare that they will find full occupancy of the place of worship. Because God, where you'll find us from now on is not in a place of frustration, but you'll find us worshiping. You won't find us in disappointment. You'll find us worshiping. We will worship you in spirit and in truth according to John 4, and we will see the manifestation of what happens when worship takes place in our house, when worship takes place in our community, when worship takes place in compassion, when worship takes place in our families. I bind the spirit and the source of frustration. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I loose joy, and I loose strength, and I loose peace. I loose it to them in Jesus' name. I declare full acquisition of peace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You'll find me worshiping. You'll find me worshiping. Yeah. You'll
You'll find me worshiping when everything is wrong. You'll find me worshiping when everything's okay. You'll find me worshiping. Come on, sing with me. You'll find me worshiping. You'll find me worshiping. That's what I do. You'll find me worshiping. You'll find me worshiping. Ah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I right now pray and declare in our online audience, there are people that have been watching and are a part of our online campus. I declare in the name of Jesus that they wouldn't just watch us worship, but they would enter in, that they would not be limited by time or space. And I declare in the name of Jesus that they occupy breakthrough that they occupy the room that you've placed them in and that they, they maximize their potential in the name of Jesus. As the Apostle Paul says, I have found in whatsoever state I am in, therein to be content. I declare God's spiritual, Holy Spirit-empowered contentment in the name of Jesus. I don't just pray it for our online folks. I pray it for our in-person folks. I declare the occupancy of full place in you, a full posture and full potential in in you and contentment in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name is this all right well even if it's not I'm still gonna keep obeying the spirit so I, I just, that was just me being courteous <laughs> sit down real quick I just want to unpack something that I feel like the Lord wants me to deliver I've just taken half of my allotted time for preaching to flow in the Holy Ghost, which is fine with me. I would rather do that anyway. Can I, can I just be honest with you? Long before I was a pastor, I was a worship leader. I stood behind a keyboard and I led people into God's presence, and that is so fulfilling for me because I realized something. Kenzie, I'm never going to preach another day in heaven, but I will worship for the rest of my eternal existence. So you might not think I'm a good preacher and that's fine with you, but God loves my worship. I will worship for the rest of my life. I am a worshiper. I'm thankful for the gift that he's given me to preach, but I am a worshiper. And I believe that Jesus is coming back for a worshiping church. Not for a status quo church, not for a consumer-minded church, not for a, well, it, well, my God, this service has already gone. Mm, yeah, he's going to, I just have a feeling we're going to be in here longer than we've anticipated. And honestly, guys, I'm to the point where I'm like, you know what? God, wreck my calendar, wreck my schedule, wreck my plans, wreck it, just wreck it. Because what that requires is his involvement. There are some of us that we like the discernment of what God is doing and we're binding the devil and it's really God. It's really God. It, it reminds me of the question, 
when they bring the blind man to Jesus and they say, Master, why was this man born blind? Was it he or was it his family? Was it an ancestral curse that was placed on him? Why is this man blind? And they're just, they're, they're pompous in their religiosity. And Jesus is like, he was born blind so I could heal him today. That's why. So that my goodness could be shown to all of these people. God specializes in taking things that man says will never happen and doing it. Sweetie in the black shirt and the blonde hair, I don't want to call you out, but I see myself in you. There is value and there is greatness on the inside of you. And the enemy would like nothing more than to shroud you with things that aren't truth, lies, feelings of, and I won't label all of those feelings, although I'm discerning them, all of these other feelings and things that you put out there in front of you that don't define who you are. The Lord told me to tell you that you need to always remember that you are his daughter and you're his daughter first. You're not an accident. You're not a disappointment. You are everything that he divinely designed for you to be. So what I really want to encourage you to, sorry, I'm getting emotional. I really want to encourage you today for you to believe God at his word. Take him for what he says. Get into your Bible and discover all of the things that he says about you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the apple of his eye. He created you with a divine design. He has an intent for your life, and he's not going to quit on you until he sees that fulfilled in you. I know you don't know me from Adam's house, Kat, but, but because of the love of Jesus, let me tell you, I love you, this church loves you, but more important than all of those things, Jesus loves you, and God has a purpose for your life. Can somebody just hug her real big for me? Baby, would you go and hug her? Just wrap, no, Pastor Jeff, yeah, that's good. Pastor Jeff, would you go and love, love her, wrap her up and just love on her for me? I'm trying to preach this sermon, guys, I promise. Can I, can I let the cat out of the bag? The revival's gonna happen in the third service. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's gonna start here because you don't care about the time. You obviously don't care about the time because you waited to the last service. Everybody else is more concerned about the time, getting to the golf, golf place, getting to the restaurant, getting their day on and everything else. You don't care about all those things. You want to be in church, so you wait till all the crowd dies down. And now we don't have a time restraint. Please don't misunderstand. Pastor Jamie is one of my best friends, and he helps me with systems and structure because I could be that kind of guy that would just be, ah, just go crazy and never pay attention to time. So he helps me. We're bringing order to that area. But I also know that the man wouldn't have been raised back to life again had, had Paul not been preaching for 12 hours and him fall out a window. We, we forget about those things. We must have systems and we must have structure, but not in place of a move of God in addition to. Okay. Okay. All right. Pastor Jamie knew what he was doing because I'm a revivalist. I've studied every move of God that historically has ever been chronicled. And I hunger, I'm hungry to house 
a move of God. The Levites in the Old Testament, we act like that they got up under those staffs, they got up under that ark, and that they just directed that thing where it went. That is not at all what happened. The ark directed them. As a matter of fact, rabbinical writings reflect the fact that the ark would sometimes levitate the priests off the ground and they would float through the wilderness. That when they would come upon snakes and scorpions and those things that could, that could hurt them, that fire would shoot out from the bottom of the ark of the covenant and consume everything. Why? Because they were presence-minded. They were presence-driven. It was only when they put the ark on a Philistine milk cart and tried to direct it that God said, nope, that's not going to happen. I will direct you. You will not direct me. My presence will guide you. Your presence will not guide me. I am farther and farther and farther from my notes. I'm just going to talk to you from myself, my posture, and who I am. My mom and dad struggled to have children. My mom had five miscarriages. My dad was in the Air Force at the time. And the doctor grabbed my dad, and he said, don't ever let your wife get pregnant again. This last miscarriage almost killed her. The next baby that she tries to conceive, she will die. Do not let her get pregnant again. My dad said, okay. My mom and dad wanted to have kids bad. My mom went home and rested in the base housing. And you have to understand, my mom was raised independent Baptist. Independent Baptist, I love our independent Baptist folks, but they don't believe that God speaks today. They don't believe God heals today. They don't believe those things happen. That it's just, everything's just the, the Bible, and, and that's, that's it. It was all done then so that we could get where we are now, and it's not happening anymore today. I, I feel so bad for them. Because nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that there was an end to the New Testament church. We are still a part of the New Testament church. So this is what I love also. God doesn't care what you believe. He's God. He'll do whatever he wants to do. So even though my, my mom was taught that God doesn't speak to you, God just walked into that, that single-wide trailer in base housing in, 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 uh, in, in Eglin Air Force Base in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, he walked into that place and he said, I don't care what the doctor said. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him David. He's going to have a heart after me. He's going to sing. He's going to preach. He's going to prophesy. He's going to lay hands on the sick. He's going to build works. He's going to do great things for me. That's what I say. And so my mom had a conflict of beliefs. But she wanted a baby so bad that she just believed what God said. And I was born on the exact date that the doctor said I would be born, April the 5th of 1973. Why do I tell you that story? Because I'm not supposed to exist. The doctors told her, your child is a miracle child because your body treats a growing fetus as though it were an organism and attacks it more violently than any other recorded case that we've seen in medical history. My mom's body would violently attack that growing baby so what she did was she lay in bed for nine months with her feet elevated she got up to use the restroom and go to the doctor's office the rest of the time she lay in bed with her feet elevated how bad do you want a miracle when I said 
God wreck our plans. I have context to what I'm talking about. I want to be an advocate. I want to be a tool in God's hand for him to birth things into the earth. I want to be a womb for him that things are just birthed through. And it doesn't matter to me. I told Pastor Jamie when we were talking about the hunger and the pursuit and the thirst for revival, David says this, I would rather, look at her, she's walking without her crushes now. Look, look. Well, she's still got a limp. Well, so did Jacob, but it was proof he wrestled with God. And we declare that in the name of Jesus, that that healing will be totally complete before this day is out in the name of Jesus. And crutches will be a trophy at the feet of Jesus. I don't even remember what I was saying now. It doesn't matter. Do you see how it works? We believe him and then we give him an opportunity and then we praise him. But sometimes we praise him first. I, I've always believed that Miriam sang the right song on the wrong side. The Bible says that after the children of Israel walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, that Miriam grabbed a tambourine and began to sing, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown in the sea. I've always believed what would have happened if Miriam had grabbed a tambourine as she's in the middle of, of the armies of Egypt on one side and the Red Sea on the other, as she grabbed a tambourine and said, I will sing unto the Lord because he will deliver me because he's my deliverer. What would have happened? Would Moses have had to stretch his rod out? just messed up your theology what would happen if we woke up every morning and we said Lord every breath that I take today I'm gonna praise you with it every step that I take today I'm gonna praise you with it I'm gonna glorify you more than I pursue money. I'm gonna glorify you more than I pursue fame. I know I want my education and I know I want my deliverance and I know I want my breakthrough, but I want you more. What would happen if the body of Christ said, I want you more than my healing? And it's quiet in God's house. Truthfully, we want what he can do for us, not necessarily him. My sermon today is the difference between serving and servants and sons. You know what the difference is? This and this. That's the difference. Our text is what most Bibles refer to as the prodigal son in Luke 15, where the son is in the pig pen and he comes to himself and he realizes, my good Lord in heaven, my father's servants have it better than I have it right now. I'm better to go back and be a servant because it's better than where I am right now. 
And so he resolved not to go back as a son, but to go back as a hired servant. So his resolve, so he dressed like a beggar and he goes walking back to his father's house. But I love the fact that Jesus inserts the real focus of the story. Every other Bible calls it the prodigal son. The passion translation calls it the loving father. Because honestly, he's the focus of the story. It's not about the two boys. The two boys are problematic and they're church people just like me and you are and we're fickle and we like things one way and we don't, we, we don't like things the next and this side or the other. But the father, the father's faithful. The father's balanced, the father's stable. But the moment that the father discovers that the son is coming home, he runs. And I've been talking all day that that was completely inappropriate in that day and time. An elder man with older sons that were old enough to appropriate inheritance, they didn't run anywhere. But they specifically wouldn't take their robe and tuck it in between their legs, shove it down in their belt, and then take off while their legs were exposed. That was shame and dishonor. But the father was willing to take on shame and dishonor because his love of the son outweighed his concern for public opinion. There's a Hebraic reality that declares that when a son has squandered an inheritance in a foreign land, or if a son has married outside the nation and marries a Gentile or a foreigner, that the community would perform a ritual called kezazah which was the cutting off and the permanent pushing away to permanently cut that person off and never ever again allow them back into their society they were cut off the son knew about this he had done exactly what this was created for so he knew he was coming back to being disowned he knew he was coming back to the epitome of shame so what the father did was he put shame on himself. He put dishonor on himself so that he could stand in between the son and the crowd. You know what Jesus did? He took all of our shame and he took all of our dishonor and he put, him, he put it on himself so that he could stand between us and hell, us and the death that it was, it was, we're headed towards. the son says, Father, I'm so sorry. I've, 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 I've wronged you. I'm so wrong. Let me come back. And I love the Passion Translations. And it says, the father interrupted him and said, my son. What I love about it is we, we sometimes see this in our mind's eye, all happening on the front porch of the father's house. And that's not where it happened. It happened on the outside of the city. The father had to prepare while he was running. Servants were running with him. And servants were running with robes and rings and shoes. All of those things signified sonship. The loss of all of those things is the loss of sonship. But the moment the father arrived, he didn't just say, hey, I'm welcoming you back again. I'm putting my robe on your shoulders. I'm putting my ring on your finger. And I'm putting my shoes on your feet. We've got to do what we do from the place of sonship. 
from the place of daughterhood, not from the place of serving and servanthood. If you can learn how to switch it, if you can learn how to flip-flop that in your mind and do everything that you do because you're a child of God, it shifts things. I'm remembering in one of our planning sessions with Pastor Cody at the Waverly campus, he was talking about a conversation that happened between a father and a son. And the father came to his son and said, son, I've been trying to get you to take the trash out all the time and you always forget it and you always dismiss it. It is so important. His dad, his son, the son looks at the dad and is like, it's so stuff. Why? I feel like I'm being punished to take the trash out. And the father looks at his son and he says, Don't you realize that the trash is what's left over after provision? The trash is evidence you've been taken care of, it's the least you can do as a son your provision and just take trash outside and put it in a can. Later on that week, the father was hurriedly going to his job and passed by a car accident and the Lord said, stop and pray for that individual. And the father responded, Lord, what? Why me? I'm about to be late. Can't you send somebody else? I feel like you're punishing me. I'm going to be late. I might lose my position and my job. And he gives all of these excuses. And then the father said to him, do you remember the conversation you had with your son? This is a manifestation of provision. I've healed you. I've saved you. I've provided for you. Now you go do that for someone else. give those excuses and see it as punishment. Sons see it as opportunity. Sons see it as divine privilege. And all my ladies are saying, well, I'm exempt from this because I'm not a son. And I'll give you the same reason I gave all of the other services. If I could be part of the bride of Christ in the church and I'm a man, then in my sermon, you could be a son. Because the Bible says in John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, to them that believe on his name. You have the right, you have the privilege to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God. You just have to make the decision to accept that privilege. I know that many of you have, but there might be some of you this morning and you haven't done it. I heard the story of how I came to be all of my life. My mom told me all of my life what God said about me. But I finally had to come into a relationship with God for myself. I couldn't just believe what my mom said. It had to become my experience. You can't just take my word for it today. It has to become your experience. And the only way for that to be able to happen is for you to get into relationship with him. And that relationship starts with you just saying, Lord, I need you. I can't do this life on my own. I certainly can't make it to heaven on my own, but I can't do this life on my own. As our world continues to get more and more interesting, I tell to my wife, I tell my wife all the time, I don't see anybody lives without Jesus. I don't see how anybody can make it with sanity in our world today without Jesus. 
it's impossible. And if you're trying to do it without him, stop now because you won't be able to. You're going to lose your mind at some point in time. So just make the decision now. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to lose my mind to the world. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I know the lights are still up and we haven't done the religious thing. And I've not even, I've not even given you a text and read from my iPad or my Bible. But right now, in this place, if that's you, and you don't want to leave this place with this uncertainty and this distance between you and God, then close it by raising your hand and saying, that's me. Would you pray for me today? Anybody? Yeah, hand. Anybody else? Just, yeah. Once you put your hand up, you, yes. Once you put your hand up, it's hands all over the, the, in, the, in the balcony area. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faith. And now we go, I got you, man. Now we go one step farther. We confess what we believe. That requires you open up your mouth. The enemy wants nothing more than to shut you down so you're intimidated by your own voice. Don't let him do it. Everybody repeat after me right now. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it loud with conviction. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God that you gave your life so I could have life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. I want to be more like you. Today, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Now shout amen and slap your hands together and give God a crazy praise. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about Compassion Church Dixon, go to our website, CompassionDixon.Church. If you would like to become a monthly financial partner, go to our website and click Give. Join us on Sundays in person or online and be sure to follow us on social media. Also, be sure to share this episode with someone or online and tag us. Until next time.